From digital arts, film, and television, this is MasterShot. Each episode in this podcast series highlights someone who worked their way to success in media, whether it's film, television, social media, acting, producing, directing, well, you get the idea. Our interviewers will glean insights, stories, and advice from each special guest. Then you can apply what you hear to your own life as you build upon your goals and dreams. So let's get started. In this episode, Amy Lawson-Smead, a Royal Oak, Michigan native, talks with current Royal Oak High School media teacher Mike Conrad about the road she took to becoming the co-head of animation for the newly released Disney animated film Raya and the Last Dragon. I'm thrilled that you allowed us to sit down and chat with you because I can't imagine that your life is really uh, easygoing with a lot of time to talk. So um, also I watched uh, Raya and the Last Dragon last night. So we'll get to that and start talking about that. Um, I really do want to talk a little bit about your Michigan roots. Um, sure. But I think the first question I really want to know how you feel is when you see a Disney movie scroll at the end with your name on it, does that ever get old? I have been so proud of the films that I've gotten the chance to be a part of. So I would say it doesn't get old. I think it's it's always something very special. As we wrap a project, um, we usually have something called a wrap party. And we it's where everybody gets together and it's a huge party. We are in a theater and not this year for Ryan, unfortunately, because of COVID, but um, and we all watch the film together in its final state and just we all cheer for everybody as their names come up. And um, I feel like it's always just a really special moment. Does that include the cast that comes to the rap party? Sometimes the cast comes. Usually they, um, so there's also the film's premiere and the cast is usually always at the premiere. Right. But sometimes the cast shows up to the rap party as well. I believe they're always invited. Because you never really see the cast. The cast is, that's recorded way earlier than when you actually animate, correct? It is recorded um, during the whole process, but yes, we always have the voice talent recorded before we start to animate. We have been, for most of our projects, a lot of the talent will come to the animation department and we'll get to ask them questions um, and just hear what their thought process is, whether it's on the character or how they approach acting. For the first Frozen, Adina Menzel came in to the office and she ended up singing Let It Go for us in the animation pit. Which I think is I've incredible. heard of that song. Yeah, I think I've heard yeah. of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we often will get to um, see them. Um, not always, but they usually will come. Josh Gad has come many, many times, um, the voice of Olaf. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's back up about, um, I don't know, uh, 29 years. <laughs> so yeah. um, I'm sitting in your alma mater. Uh, what was Kimball High School is now Royal Oak High School. Uh, I teach the TV, video, and film program here. Uh, when I spoke to my students uh, last week or two weeks ago and said, hey, do you, have you heard of this new Disney animated film coming out? Oh, yes, of course. Well, did you know that the head animator basically walked these halls where you're walking? Um, they were floored. They were so excited. Um, their school year is very different this year, but I'm curious, what was high school like for you? 
I, I loved high school. I especially loved all of my art classes. We didn't have animation or film uh, or video when I was attending, um, but I was always very interested in art. So I was taking as many art classes as I can. Um, the teacher at the time was Mr. Landry, Robert Landry. Um, and I feel like he turned, he really taught us a lot about sculpture and just three-dimensionally aspects of of things, even if it's in a 2D piece such as a painting. Um, I, I feel like he really pushed us a lot to think about art. Um, so I'm very thankful for the time that I had there. And I think just as a student, I can't imagine students, especially in high school, being at home this whole year and what that must be like. Um, I'm sure it's very difficult, uh, but I, I really enjoyed high school. So the art classes, was that something you found early in high school or was it an evolution of passion? How did, the, how did that feel when you walked into those classes and your interest evolved? Yeah, I, I believe even my freshman year, I was taking art classes. Um, I think at the time, I'm trying to remember because I think we could only have one elective. Um, so art was always my elective. And then I think my senior year, um, I want to say I had more electives. So I had at least two art classes and maybe three. I remember taking, I believe it was graphic design. Um, yeah. And then at least, I don't remember what it was called then art 300 or, you know, advanced art. I don't remember, but, um, but art was always something that I loved. And even, even outside of art, I would say just growing up, I have two younger sisters. Um, and then I grew up very closely to, my mom has an identical twin and we grew up very closely with their family who lived in Klassen. Um, so my cousins and my sisters, we would often get together and we would create, um, we would make these costumes or use costumes that we had from, we used to ice skate. Um, and we'd come up with dances and we just perform them in front of our parents. Um, or there are times where my sisters and I would have the old cassette tapes and we watched tons of cartoons on Saturday morning and we would try, we would try to be those characters and then tape ourselves, um, <laughs> just making up stories. So it's interesting because animation really didn't occur to me until much later um, when I was in college. Cause I don't, I don't just don't think, it, I didn't realize it was a career that I could go into. Um, but I was always in love with just creating in general, uh, painting especially I would say. So when you were in just, you know, I want to get to just post high school in a second, but when you were in high school, did you have an idea about what you wanted to do? Did you want your career to be art related or were you just so open to whatever could come your way? I feel like I was open, but within art. So um, once I graduated school, I went to Western Michigan University um, for a few years, but I, I wouldn't say I knew exactly what I wanted to do with it. I was studying painting. I also started uh, studying graphic design as something um, that, and I really enjoyed that as well. I woke up one day <laughs> in the beginning of my third year at Western thinking, what am I going to do with a painting degree? And, but I also thought if if I want to continue in this route, maybe I should start looking into more of a fine arts school, a private fine arts school. So I started looking into different schools. Um, back at that time, there was tons, and maybe there still is today, just because there really was very limited internet. It was very, very new. Um, oh, this is probably what, 1995 or so? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were just learning how to use email. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, if only we had the internet back then. But anyways, yeah. um, I remember seeing something in one of the pamphlets from one of the schools that just had a sh um, 
like a photograph of something of a character. I didn't think too much of it, um, but it was interesting to me. Anyways, then I went to a school in Chicago called the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, and I took an animation course there. And that's when I totally fell in love with animation. I loved that you could create a character, you can create a world that that character is living in, um, and then just the story aspects behind all of that. Um, so I, I really fell into animation. I feel like I got very lucky because um, I, I, I knew I always wanted to do something with art. I just didn't know what to do with it. And then now being at Disney, I've learned there are so many departments for art students that so we have um there's background painters and visual development artists had i known that was a career i may have chosen that path i just didn't even know it was a thing um because i think there's a general misconception out there that animators do everything and we don't we do the characters and the acting and performance of the characters but there are so many incredible artists that are working um, like I said, whether it's background paintings, um, designing the characters, cinematographers, um, tons of departments. I think that's a great point to bring up because you watch a film and if you watch a film with Ben Affleck in it, you think it's a Ben Affleck film and you watch the credits roll and there's hundreds and hundreds of people that are involved in that. So um, I, I think that's a great point to bring up because the, the animated films and, and including films like maybe a Marvel film, the digital CGI, I mean, just rendering they have a list of 65 names or 150 names yeah um did you have support at home did your did, did your family support you in going into an art career they did which i imagine was probably very difficult i'm not sure because they've never talked about it with me but they were always really really supportive of me um they were supportive of me when I went to Western, just following my art career path. And then when I wanted to transfer to the school, my mom drove with me from uh, Western to Chicago because I had to have an interview and show my portfolio and all of that stuff. Um, but I feel incredibly lucky to have always been supported by my family. So you graduated from college and then, you know, how long was it until I mean, were you recruited by Disney? Did you uh, did you knock on their doors? Did you mail them a shoe with your resume saying you want to get your foot in the door? Like, what did you do to get into Disney? Yeah, so I graduated from um, school. I did have, what's important as a character animator is to have a demo reel. And a demo reel basically consists of animation tests. And I, I didn't really feel like my demo reel was really that strong, but I did apply to Disney. I applied, you know, many different studios. I got lots of rejection letters. Um, there's a conference called Seagraph, um, and it it used to be in LA. I want to say every other year, and it would alternate between. I can't remember where the other place is, but anyways, I I flew out to LA to go to Seagraph. Um, I ended up meeting someone that worked at Disney in more of a technical aspect, um, but we were chatting, and then just we would communicate back and forth. And he informed me that Disney was hiring for the project Dinosaur, which was our first fully CG animated film. And it wasn't an animation role. It was a completely different role, but I thought if I could just get my foot in the door, then I could learn from all the people inside the studio because there's so many talented mm -hmm. and also very gracious artists that are really willing to help people. So. The department was called scene setup at the time. So I was in that role for a few years 
And then I went into a role called ATD, which just stands for Associate Technical Director. Um, I was in that role for, I wanna say about a year and a half, but that role gave me the opportunity to start um, there was a project we worked on called Mickey's Philharmagic, and there's some tiny instruments. And um, one of the animation, the head of animation at the time, Jason Ryan, knew that I was very interested in animation. So he let me animate some of the instruments. Um, and I should back up a little bit. So, so when I went on to Dinosaur in that scene setup role, I was trying to learn as much as I could about character animation. So I would take the character rigs. Um, what a rig is, is basically a digital skeleton inside a character. It gives us the controls that we can move the character. So I would take the rigs that we had available to us at the time, and I would come in on weekends, I'd stay late, come in early, and I would just do as many animation tests as I could. And then I would reach out to animators that I'd met in the department and ask for feedback on what can be better, how can I learn? And I learned so much in that process. So that whole time, I would say, took about five-ish years. So you basically uh, were not a nine-to-five person, is what you're saying. It did not. It was not a nine-to-five gig. Yeah, 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 definitely. I I was very determined, um, and I was so passionate about animation and just really wanting to learn as much as I could. Disney has a really great training program, so but they had stopped it for many years. Um, so they started it back up on the project of Chicken Little. And now I had a stronger demo reel with all those animation tests that I had been working on for the last several years. Um, so I reapplied um, or I applied for that job and I got the job. Um, I was assigned official mentor um, named Jason Ryan, who was the same one I had worked with on PhilharMagic a little bit. Um, I learned a lot from him and he, um, so I would say probably about three to six months later in the training program, you basically have an evaluation every three months. You show at the time we showed life drawings as well as animation tests. Um, and then I ended up passing the evaluation and then promoted to, I think it was called assistant animator at the time and then animator um, on that project as well. So when you talk about a demo reel, you have to have a quality demo reel. I think, you know, in film, video, animation, graphic design, you need to have that, that body of work. Um, nowadays, with, you know, the way, as we, you know, talk, we do have the internet at our fingertips. We can take classes on our own. Can someone succeed without a degree in art or design or animation? Can they do it on their own and still have a quality demo reel? and get, gain that knowledge? Or do you suggest that they go to an art school and actually get a degree? Which, which one would you suggest based on what you know about the industry now? I think, um, I'm gonna give you two answers. Okay. I, I, I think that there's benefit to going to a school where you're really learning more about filmmaking in general. Um, that's something I, I really didn't have. And it's because I didn't know exactly where I wanted to go in my career um, choices, but, I think had I gone to a school where I really learned more about the whole filmmaking process, um, I think that is very beneficial. However, I also think you absolutely can learn about animation without going to a degreed school. Um, I think there's so much you can learn on the internet, but there are also a lot of online courses that you can take. So there's a school called Animation Mentor, which I think is a two-year program, and it really just focuses on character animation. And then there's other um, schools out there. I think I animate Anim Squad. I'm there's there's many of them. Um, they're often taught by professional animators, 
And so I, I think what really is important is the feedback part of it. So as you're learning and growing, I do feel like you need access to someone on a regular basis because that's the only way you're going to learn um, about getting stronger as an animator is getting that feedback on what can be better. Even animators that have been animating for you know, 10, 20 years, they're still getting feedback on their scenes because something can always be better. So I noticed in, in Riot and the Last Dragon, there's actually a couple different styles of animation. I, I really enjoyed when it went to a, a flashback or history or a thought, it went to more of a 2D animation style. And then um, also, I don't even know where to begin to talk about how water and light was used yes. in that film. I mean, it just, it, uh, I think I, I, I found it so enticing. I was almost distracted by it because it was so perfect. Um, yeah. You know, what part of the animation process, I mean, being the head of animation, do you coach everybody through it or did you have a portion of the animation that you were part of? So as a head of animation, we don't get to animate a lot. I did get to animate um, a couple scenes when Raya goes back and she she first sees her dad in stone form and she places a flower in his hand um, and then she has a line. It's it's more of a subtle scene. I love doing emotional. Well, that was my favorite scene in the whole movie, so I'm glad you brought that <laughs> Thank you. Um, but really where we spend most of our time in a head of animation position, so there's pre-production where we're getting all of our characters ready. Um, we have a team of supervising animators as well. So there were two heads of animation, myself and Malcolm Pierce, and then we had uh, five supervising animators. So our whole group works really closely together to get all of those characters um, ready. We're defining the character's animation, um, what, are each of the acting personalities for each of the characters. Um, the Angis, which are the like catfish monkey characters, they're much more broad cartoony style of animation versus a character say like Raya. Um, I would say the character Tong is also pushed a little bit farther because he's very caricatured. Um, so we basically spend a year in pre-production getting all of those characters ready. Then we move into the production phase, which is roughly about a year. And that's where we actually start the shot work, which is what everybody sees up on screen. So during all that time, we also work really closely with the directors. We try to get inside their minds of what is it they're looking for in terms of the animation style and performance choices. Um, that goes along with the story department, because as story changes, often our characters will change and evolve as well. Um, does animation drive that change? Is there, are there ever times where you're working with animation realizing, wait a minute, here's something we can do. Does that ever change a character or part of the story? Sometimes, yes. So usually when that happens is pre-production as we're doing animation tests, sometimes the story artists will see that and be inspired by something. Okay. And then they will start to put that into their boards. We call them storyboards. Um, so, I mean, usually story drives all of it and they work really closely with the directors and writer, um, but there is some influence that we will have on them and they have a ton of influence on, on our work as well. Um, so that does happen. And I know that when, like we mentioned a little bit earlier, um, for example, if Aquafina is recording her, her, her voice track, I mean, I even noticed at one point I saw her face yeah. on this. I mean, it looked so, um, I've seen practice where those are those recorded. Is there a motion tracking on their face, or is it just are you just look going off of a video? How is that done? 
Yeah, so there's no motion tracking happening. Um, we don't use that at the studio, but we do have access to the recordings and Aquafina is so expressive. So, and in pre-production, we did know that she was gonna be the voice for Sisu early on. So we were looking at um, reference of her as we were building face shapes, um, especially for her mouth. Yeah, um, that was that was very prominent. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, can see it. Yeah, yeah in her teeth. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, she, I mean, we were so fortunate to have so many incre incredibly talented actors and actresses on the film of Raya, on, on each of our films. Um, and they inspire a lot of our work. So I should also say too, as a character animator, oftentimes, so we do have access to that. Oftentimes we'll shoot our own reference as well. So for me, when I'm animating a scene, I will memorize the line exactly the way the actor or actress has delivered the line. And then I go into our reference room where we have camera equipment, we have mirrors everywhere. And then I record myself over and over acting out this scene. And then what I do is I comb through all that footage and then I save out my favorite takes and I I will go through and I'll say, okay, like what my shoulders are doing here, or maybe I'm doing something with my fingers. A lot of times I'm looking for facial expressions. Um, it's not to say that I'm copying my performance because I don't ever want the character to look or act like me, um, but I'm often gleaning things from there and just performance choices mm -hmm. that helps me. It really helps me get inside the character's minds and it's part of my planning stage, I guess you'd say, um, before I start blocking out a scene. So the kids who are afraid of hearing their own voices right now should get that and kick that to the curb right away. If you're going to stand there in front of a camera and make all these expressions, you need to be really comfortable with yourself. Totally. And I, I, I remember um, now I'm going way back. I think it was on Bolt. And we didn't have a reference room at the time. So we just had these little cameras that were on top of our screen and I shared an office and I was like, oh gosh, I don't want to act this out in front of, although it was a very, one of my best friends. Um, and, but it is kind of daunting to act in front of someone else. It, it is easier for me to go inside the reference room. Cause then I feel like you can just like, you're there by yourself. You don't have to think about anybody else. And you can, especially for emotional moments. Cause I will try to get to a point where I'm like actually crying because I want to see what's happening to my facial muscles. Sometimes what's happening, there's things that are happening in your throat and I'm observing all of that. That way I can put those details into my animation. So you're getting acting credits now on these films, are you? You should yeah. be. <laughs> so I think this is a good time to kind of run down the films um, that you've worked on. Um, I mean, you mentioned Chicken Little, uh, Meet the Robinsons, Bolt, uh, Tangled, um, both Wreck-It Ralph films, uh, Frozen, Moana, uh, Big Hero 6, um, mm -hmm. and now Raya and the Last Dragon. So which one's your favorite? I can't have one. <laughs> um, You're I, that. I, I, I'll, can I give you a few answers? So Tangled was a very special film for me because it was the first kind of fairy tale type movie that I got the chance to work on. Um, I wanted to be on that film so badly and Glenn Keane was our animation director, kind of our head of animation at the time. And he is a legend. So you would know him from characters like Ariel, the beast, um, just so many characters. So as animators, we look up to Glenn so much. So getting the chance to work with him was an incredible experience because I learned so much about character animation from him. Um, and really our whole department took a huge leap forward. 
and I got to work on Rapunzel. So I loved that experience. Um, I love that character. And then Frozen was really special to me. I mostly got to work with Anna. Um, I worked a little bit with Elsa and Kristoff, but Anna, I loved her quirky personality. She was a lot of fun to animate. Um, Moana is very special to me because it was my first leadership role. So I was, um, that's where I first became um, head of animation. And I got to work with Ron and John, who are two directors who I admired for many, many, many years. Um, so getting the chance to work with them was very special. And of course, Raya, um, I was in the head of animation position again for that film. And that film, I love the story that we were telling in that film. It's It was a very different type of story than we've told. And um, I would agree. It got a little dark at the end. Yeah. It got and a little I, heavy. And I was, yeah. it, it kind of caught me off guard, which I liked because I was thinking, oh, I know where this film is going because it's a Disney film, right? Well, no, I was wrong. So yeah. that, that was a nice, that was a nice change. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and the, just the team around that project was incredible. We animated almost the entire film from home. So it's an experience where everybody really just came together to figure out how are we gonna do this? We all thought we'd be at home for probably two weeks, maybe a month at the most. Um, there was a lot to figure out because animation is 24 frames for every one second. And just playback, having accurate playback was, it's something that's so important for us. And we weren't sure how that was gonna work over Zoom. Um, showing directors, um, we had iPads that we would upload all of our scenes through this internal system we have um, called Depix. But that was a way for our directors and for myself and our supervising team to make sure we were seeing things uh, frame accurate. Because what oftentimes we'll give a note in dailies or even rounds that says, this feels a little bit too slow. Can you take one or two frames out? Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's very detailed. And so over Zoom, it's you just can't get that 24 frames per second. So working with a, a crew that is as large as a film like Ryan the Last Dragon or any of the films you worked on um, and knowing your role in that, and there are, you know, the, the story's been written, the script's been rewritten, there's storyboards, it's been presented, it's been worked. Are you given any creative freedom when you get to the animation process are you able able to pop a couple things in and then kind of pitch that and say what do you think i really like what this where this could go yeah totally our directors are are always open and so what happens is uh, so once it's storyboarded then it goes to our layout department layout are basically the cinematographers of this process um and then it comes to us so all the camera work is figured out before it comes to us. And that's where we have a meeting called issuing with the directors. And as an animator, we usually will know what scenes we're working on before we go into dailies. That way, if we wanna come up with ideas and pitch them to the director, we can. Um, and it's also a time for the directors to say, okay, this is what's happening in the story, in the sequence. Um, this is what's going on in the character's minds. Anything specific that they want the character to do? Are they walking? Are they going to sit down on a chair? Um, any of that kind of stuff will come out in that issuing. And it's always, um, oftentimes there's a story person there as well, um, usually ahead of story. Uh, but yeah, we can pitch those ideas and and then see where it goes. And you know, sometimes we might come up with a really great idea that we're able to infuse. And sometimes there's something very specific that they're looking for. So it just depends on the moment. Oh, like little Easter eggs, like the stitching is your dog's name when you're a little kid or anything like that snuck in. Come on, you can tell me. I haven't 
<laughs> I haven't done that. I've been in conversations where other people have wanted to add Easter eggs. There's a hey, hey Easter egg in Raya. Um, and it was the supervising animator of hey, hey on Moana wanted to put hey, hey somewhere in the film. And he was animating a scene and he's like, I, I can stick hey, hey in here. Awesome. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, what was your favorite animated cartoon as a kid? Oh gosh. And don't say you don't have one because we all do. You know what? Um, that is such a good question. Cause you didn't know you want to be an animator as a kid, but if you look back now, like, yeah, I, I, I mean, I remember always loving the Warner brothers, um, animation. And I think I remember my sisters and I watching a lot of strawberry shortcake and Smurfs and Inspector Gadget. Um, I feel I and when I think back of what my sisters and I and what we would create our stories, they were usually with um, I think Smurfs with the villain. Oh, what was his name? Gargamel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. maybe Smurfs. Okay. So yeah. what, what do you watch now to inspire you? Because I mean, you got at Disney, every time I see a Disney animated film, it seems like there's something new going on. There's a new, like, like I said about Raya, the, the water was unbelievable. I've never seen water like that in animated. So what do you watch to inspire those around you and your team or for yourself when you're still sitting in your room animating? Yeah, I love Broadway, Broadway musicals. So I think for me, when I'm looking for inspiration for a character, um, and I guess it would depend on the character, I often will look to musicals that I really love. I would say in addition to that, our team um, is inspiring, just the animation team. And there's there's always someone in the department that will come up with an idea for a scene and it has a spark to it that then everybody is inspired by and then wants to be like that person. And then it energizes them to try to be better. And so we kind of all, I feel like we all inspire each other. And um, and I think too, just watching other Pixar films, there's incredible animation, character animation that I get inspired from their films as well. I think film as well, just watching some of my favorite um, actors and actresses and what they're bringing to the performance, especially the, um, like the dramatic performances. I'm, I'm always inspired by them. And there's also the comedy, um, you know, a character like Wreck-It Ralph has a lot of comedy and it's, I don't tend to animate a lot of the comedic moments, but, um, I do sometimes. And so being inspired by say John C. Riley, he was the voice of, yeah. of Ralph. Yeah. Um, I do remember looking at a lot of his reference as he was voicing that character because um, he's also very expressive. Yeah, and by the way, when Raya called her Princess Undercut, and, and I mean, that was a little funny. Yeah, <laughs> little, totally. little Little digs there. Um, yeah. Well, it, I mean, you're so fortunate. It sounds like it's such an inspiring environment. And when you're creating, who could ask for anything more? Yeah. So, so you I'm, brought up Pixar. Um, yeah. I'm curious. Um, Back in 1992-ish in Royal Oak, Clausen area, what was in the water? Because Dan Scanlon, who went to Clausen High School, um, was just the uh, writer and director of, of Onward, nominated for Academy Award. Um, also, uh, you know, worked on, um, he directed Monsters University. Um, and just found out that this past week with the Oscar nominations, uh, Stephen Young 
from Minari went to Troy High School. No way. So like, what, where were you guys hanging out? Because that's a pretty impressive <laughs> people to be coming out of this area. Totally. We should have all, uh, wish we all knew each other at that time. Um, gosh, I'm, tr- you know what? I, well, CG animation wasn't a thing then. Toy, the first Toy Story hadn't come out. Um, I think Pixar was probably working on some of their shorts, but they weren't mainstream. Nobody had really heard of them. I remember, I think it was my first year at Western Aladdin. I remember the film Aladdin came out and that was um, a great film Uh and was inspiring. Um, But I'm, I'm trying to remember what other films were back in 92 or just even, I mean, I always grew up just, we, my parents both have a very strong work ethic. So my sisters and I all have very strong work ethics. We all had jobs. I was a caddy at um, the golf co- Red Run golf at course. Red Run, awesome. <laughs> yeah. One of my students right now is a caddy at Red Run. So okay. I'll be very happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was a great experience. And I, I think just it teaches you a lot. Um, so I had many just kind of odd things like that that were going on. And um, I played some sports, um, not a ton of sports, but I would play softball through the city. Um, I played tennis a little bit. I was on the tennis team. I wasn't great at it, but they let me on the team. Um, yeah. So that drive that you have, obviously you brought, have, have brought, carried you through your career to have a 23 year career. So however many years starting at Disney and staying all the way there. And now you're in a leadership role. Mm-hmm. So how does that feel? I, I was very daunting at first on Moana. Um, I, was very hesitant to go into that sort of a role. Um, I, I had been animating for quite a long time, but I, it was scary. Um, I was worried about disappointing the directors, um, Ron and John, who I had, had admired for so long. Um, I had a very strong support system. Um, our producer, Oznat sure was incredibly supportive of me. And um, I had my partner at the time was Hiram Osmond um, on the film. He was co-head of animation with me. Um, So I feel like everybody was very supportive, but it was scary. I didn't know. I didn't feel like I really knew how to be in that role. Um, But I'm I'm glad that I did it because I learned so much on that project. And it's a very highly collaborative role. Um, We worked very closely with a lot of the other departments. and so, and so one of the interesting things um, at our studios, once you go into a leadership role, it doesn't necessarily mean that you stay there. So you re-interview every time you want to be in a head of animation or a supervisor type role. So after Moana, I felt like I we don't get to animate a lot. And I felt like I was missing animation, um, just sitting in my desk as an animator. And I also was thinking it was it's important to kind of stay connected to that. Um, and be just kind of on the floor in in the thick of it with everybody. So I went back to animating on Wreck-It Ralph 2 and then Ryan the Last Dragon came up. And so I did end up putting my name in the hat and re-interviewed with a new set of directors. Um, Oznat was the same producer. Um, And I was a little bit scared again. Um, I did have more confidence because I knew, okay, well, I I did it on Moana and I survived um, and people had a great experience. And um, I, this project was very different. And I had a new partner on this one, Melkin Pierce, who was also an incredible partner um, and also very supportive. We were both very trusting of each other. 
And it was an incredible experience for me on that project. I learned so much um, in addition to just keeping um, with learning more about filmmaking, but I learned a lot about myself in that process. And um, I think I gained a little bit more confidence on this film. And so um, I'm on an unannounced project. Um, I decided to- What a go perfect place to announce it, right here. No. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah, it's probably your way, but um, yeah. So it is, I, I love animating. And I, I mentioned earlier, I did get to animate a few shots on Raya, um, which is great, but I, I really do love this role as well. And I feel like I've, um, I've grown a lot into it and just have learned so much from, from the process in the last two years. I love the collaboration aspect of it and working with all the different departments. Um, yeah. I love that you say that you're learning more about yourself. I think there's, I mean, uh, there's always room for a growth mindset. Um, yeah. And that's something that we try to instill in students all the time these days. Yeah. Um, and to, to have you um, this, you know, this length of a career so far to still be learning, you know, what would you tell yourself 20 years ago that you know now that would, ha would have maybe helped you with that then? Yeah, I think that there oftentimes there's a feeling like you have to know everything right off the bat. Mm. And if you don't know everything, then you're not suited for whatever that thing is, um, whether it's an animation role as a character animator or, you know, leadership role. And that's so not the case because hmm. animation is a lifelong journey and I will continue to learn and grow throughout this, you know, hopefully I'll be here many, many more years. Um, so I think just being open to feedback and being open to learning is really important. Um, but I think, I mean, I definitely had that thought in my head of, I can't do this if I don't know everything and know how to be perfect in this role. And I think that's what scared me about it because I knew I didn't know everything about it. Um, but I, what I didn't learn uh, or what I didn't know at the time, I learned along the way. And I think in both partnerships, both working with Hiram and with Melkin, um, both of them brought very different things to the table and I bring something very different to the table. And I think it's important to recognize that as well. Um, knowing what you bring to the table and what your strengths are and knowing that of the, your partner as well, because then you can work together and learn from each other, um, have that trust and respect for each other. And I think, um, I think that's really important and something that's, that's hard, especially at the beginning, because you want to know everything so quickly and you just can't until you go through those experiences. You want to try to prove yourself by doing it all and you yeah. can't. Yeah. 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 So with Raya being your second head animator position and Moana, I believe, I believe I read where with Moana, you were the first head of anim first woman head of animation for a Disney film. Is that correct? It is. I so, didn't know that going into it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably, well, it's probably good because <laughs> you went for it for the love and the passion for doing it. Yeah. Um, but you now hold this role for young women animators and students to look up to, to say, I want to do that. What do you say to them? I, um, I think 
believe in yourself and know that you can get there. It's going to take a lot of determination and patience and hard work, but I, I, I think just believing that you can do it is so important. And that's something that I didn't have in myself at the beginning. And I was lucky to have the support from people, but not everybody's going to have the support that I had. And so that's where I look back and I, and I've done so much self-reflection of, um, you know, I was okay with being an animator the rest of my life. And, and I love character animation, but I also, I wasn't pushing myself. And I think that's something that's also important is, is always pushing and where can you be better? And, um, yeah, that's a, that's a hard question to answer. I'm not going to throw you <laughs> a softball. So I mean, to it. Yeah. You're, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're breaking new ground and you're, uh, you're an inspiration to um, young women all over the country, all over the world who want to do what you do. So they're going to look at your filmography and say, I want to do that. And one day they're going to be sitting in your office doing the same thing you are. And I think that's a, a pretty beautiful thing to, to, to lay out for them. Um, so I really appreciate all of your time. Um, I really enjoyed Ryan Last Dragon. Um, I uh, look forward to having my name Easter egg somewhere in this new untitled project. So just tell me where it yeah. is so I can watch it. <laughs> um, but I really appreciate all of your time. Thank you so much and good luck on, on all your future films. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. It was wonderful talking to you. Yeah, you too. We hope you enjoyed this episode of MasterShot. Thanks to our pro guest for taking time from their busy schedule to join us. Digital Arts, Film and Television is a media arts educational organization. If you'd like to find out about other teacher and student resources, visit daftonline.org. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and share it with your friends. That's a wrap. <laughs>